our chapter for today is Titus chapter 3. Just as soon as we began this short letter, we're now coming to the end of it. It, 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 it simply is the case that much of this letter revolves around the same thing, living out the good works and the sanctified life for which Christ saved us. That was a theme in each of the first two chapters and is so again here in the third and final chapter. Without entirely rehashing some of the things that we've already discussed in the previous chapters, uh, let's consider just a couple of other noteworthy items in this one. Uh, first of all, a wonderful summary of what happens to a person in salvation is found in Titus 3, uh, verses 4 through 7. It affirms that we're saved by the grace of, and mercy of God, that's verse 4, not because of works, but for good works, verse 5, by the perfect work of Jesus Christ, verse 6, who has put us right with God and given us the hope of eternal life, verse 7. It really, it is really a great summary from beginning to end of our salvation in Christ. There, there's a phrase within that summary in verse 5 that does give us a clue as to why Paul has stressed good works so much in this letter. The phrase that I'm referring to in verse 5 appears when Paul says we were saved by the washing of re regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. This is a very living and active way of describing our, our salvation. Very often we think of our salvation in legal terms. That is, whereas we deserve to be guilty in the eyes of God and in the eyes of his law, we can now be declared not guilty because of Jesus Christ. There's nothing wrong with thinking about our salvation in those terms. It is very true, and that is exactly what Paul means in verse 7 when he says that being saved means being justified by his grace. Um, that's what justified means. It means not guilty and declared righteous. But if that's all we say about our salvation, or if that's the only angle at which we look at it and think about it, it's an incomplete picture. The same Paul who says we have been justified also said we have been saved by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Now, what does that mean? Clearly, the operative words are regeneration and renewal. So if, if, if we can be certain of the meaning of those two words, we can see clearly what Paul is saying here. So what is regeneration? The Greek word that Paul uses here is palingenesia. It's a compound word. The, the, the first part uh, of the word uh, is the Greek word pollen, which means again. And the last word is the Greek word genesia, or, uh, or genesis. That's how we read that word. It means beginning. The book of Genesis is given that name because the first words are in the beginning, genesia in Greek. Um, so putting those two things together, pollen genesia, means beginning again or born again. Regeneration is a fancy word for being born again. So Paul says, when we were saved in Christ, we weren't merely declared not guilty for our sins, but we were actually born again spiritually. Whereas we previously uh, had no spiritual life within us, leading us to live a life deserving of an eternal hell, God in his mercy and in his grace gives to us new spiritual life. That is, we are born again in order to reverse the course on which we had previously been living, where before there was no life within us, now there is life. This further leads Paul to say that not only were we saved by the washing of regeneration, but also by the renewal of the Holy Spirit. The Greek word here for renewal is 
anakinosis, and it communicates the idea not only of renewal, but of a total renovation and complete change for the better. Now, combine this idea with the idea of regeneration and being born again spiritually, and you get a clear picture of another major aim of our salvation. It is not merely being declared not guilty for our sins, but it is also being given new spiritual life and having our lives totally renovated and completely changed for the better by the Holy Spirit. It is for this reason that Paul would expect good works to be the norm for every professing Christian because, as he said in the first chapter, an absence of good works is essentially a denial of the God we profess to believe. Salvation is a change of direction, not merely a change in destination. So, secondly, uh, some strong words on division in the church. The, the last words from Paul before his final greetings have to do with division in the church and, and how, Paul, excuse me, how Titus and other believers ought to handle those who would seek to cause division in the church. And he very pointedly says in verses 10 and 11, As for a person who stirs up division... After warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. Those are strong words. But it highlights the importance that Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, places on unity within the body of Christ. Why? Because someone who is a constant source of division or disunity in the church shows that he or she has not truly known the forgiveness of Christ and is not displaying the forgiving character of Christ that is to be reflected in every genuine believer. So keep a close watch over your own actions and your own motives within the church that they may be aimed at unity and harmony rather than disunity and division. And those are just a few thoughts from Titus chapter 3.